One of my favorite things about being a pastor is when people come into my office or I meet them or wherever and they're talking to me and before they know it, they have cussed. They've said a, a they've said a curse word. Now, some of you are like, people actually cuss in front of the pastor? Yes, some of them work here, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you'll be in a room, you'll have a conversation with people, and they're frustrated, and they're sharing, and, and next thing you know, they've, they've cussed. And the first thing they say, right, when they cuss in front of the pastor is, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm really sorry, right? And I always want to say, no, you're not. It's okay, right? Right? It happens... It happens a lot, right? It happens with people. And it's not just that they say curse words, they get angry. Uh, It just doesn't take long at times when you're in a room as a pastor with somebody that eventually their their humanity comes out, right? Their humanity. When I talk about their humanity, you know what I'm talking about, right? You and I being human, right? Without the guards at times. Everybody know what I'm, anybody, everybody tracking with me? All right, right? Listen, one of the things that we have seen over the last few days with the mess that's playing out in Israel is that the depth of evil in humanity is unbelievable. Would you agree with that? And it isn't just this week. If If you've done any study or research of history, of humanity, since it was created, we're a pretty broken lot of people. Would you agree with that? I mean, listen, just read the Bible. I mean, we were killing people pretty early and we've been killing people ever since, right? Men, women, children, enemies or not enemies. There has been bloodshed from the beginning of time. Yes, just pretty rancid. And that's just one issue of humanity. There are a million other expressions of humanity. Right. I want to ask you, everybody online, everybody in here, right? You, if you're online, you can type in the chat yes to this question, right? But how many of you, by a show of hands, has at least one person in your life that you get to be completely human in front of? How many of you have that one person that has seen you, right, be all human? Very good. If you're online and that's been you, just type yes in there, right? Are you grateful, those of you that have that person? Are you grateful that you have a person that you can be human in front of? Yes or no? Right? Those of you that don't have one, right? Do you regret not having one? Yes or no? Regret? Right? We've got a guy up here that needs somebody he can be human too, okay? Right? (laughs) Right? Listen, it's 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 a privilege to have that person, right? And listen... You can't do it in front of everybody, let's be honest. Otherwise, most of us would be fired. We would be single for the rest of our lives, right? Because if we were always that way, there would be some problems. One of the things that I have seen over my lifetime as a Christian for 42 years and for being in ministry 35 years, here's the one, one of the things that I've seen that's happened in church a lot is that we, listen, if you love Jesus in here online, let me hear you say amen, right? Listen, we take people who love Jesus and we tell them, we've told them forever, you got to come to church, right? Church has to be a part of your existence as a Christian. 
right? Even though we've created online venues at times that are necessary for people to join us or people who want to be a part of a service that live out of town, out of state, right? Or even out of the country, we still at our core want people to gather together. Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. It's why you're here. It's part of the reason why you come on the weekend, right? Or Tuesdays is because you feel that pull that part of the responsibility of loving Jesus is also to be in community with his people. The problem is, is that for the most part, church has been a place where you can't be human. Yes or no? It's just a place where you can't be human. The only time you can actually be human is when your life falls apart and the pastor calls you and you get to come see him. And then you can finally be honest about how human your life is. But the rest of the time, when you come to church, you should dress your best. You remember that? Right? You got to give God your best. All right. That's great. But when you go home, you gave your family something different. Anybody? Yeah. And guess what? Your kids or our kids or a generation of kids saw parents give God, quote, their best. Right? By restraining their humanity and by Sunday afternoon at 530, they're cussing like a sailor. You know what that created? In people, serious reservations about this church thing. Because to lots of people, church has become a place where you fake being human and away from church is where you get to be human. We tell people to get into small groups. How many of you online, again, if, if the answer is yes, just type yes in the, in the chat, right? How many of you online and how many of you here are in a life group, a, a group of people that you, that you meet with regularly? Let me see your hands. Okay, a few of you. Listen, part of the reason we push people in the life groups is because we all need people around us. We can share this part of our journey with, yes or no? We all agree with that, right? Sometimes our reasons for not being in a small group has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, well, I don't know how to make it work on my schedule. I've got kids and I don't know where to meet because, you know, it's expensive to have babysitters. There's a million reasons why at times we don't gather in small groups. But here's the thing. Even in a small group, do you know how hard it is to be totally human in front of people that you're in a life group with representing your church? Anybody struggle with that? Of course. Of course, it's a hard place. Yes, you love these people that you meet with and gather with, yes or no? Love them like family, yes or no? Even the weird ones, yes or no? Right, we do. But let's be honest, how much complete and honest transparency in our humanity takes place within that group? Not a lot. So what we learn is this, that we can love Jesus, we just can't be human. The problem is, is that even though there are places that we can't, every person in here and every person online knows they love Jesus and there's places where they're totally human. Yes? I just think there's a better way. There's been a lot happening with what's going on in Israel. There's been a lot happening if, 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 I don't know how familiar you are with things, but there's a lot of brouhaha playing out with North, North Point Christian Church. Uh, North Point Community Church in Atlanta, uh, where Andy Stanley is the pastor. You can Google it. You can take a look at it or whatever. But Andy is a well-known, big-time leadership teacher. 
Somebody that I have learned a ton from. Somebody that I have met personally twice. Somebody whose conferences I have attended. Somebody whose sermons I have listened to and loved. There is a lot going on as Andy tries to steer his church into the community of the LGBTQ community. And how to minister to them in a way that accepts their humanity by not compromising Jesus. It's causing quite a controversy, right? It has really caused quite a brouhaha. It has tons of people angry, tons of people confused. Um, it has some people very, very happy, but it is a lot that's going on. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to preach this sermon because we're, we're, we're living in a world where we no longer can afford to exercise faith in a community by excluding people's humanity. Because here's the thing, and you know, this is true. You know this is true because you've lived it. You may not want to admit it. But the God whom you love, and if you love God because you love Jesus, say amen. The God who you love knows your humanity. Yes or no? And not only does he know the visible humanity, he knows the invisible humanity. Yes or no? And somehow he accepts your love of him through Jesus. Yes or no? So you know it's true. If God can do that for us, can we not do it for God to other people? Yes or no? We've got to learn how to do that. And here's the thing. If we can't do it without thinking, oh, we're compromising sin, we're never going to be effective. Because listen, You and I know that God has accepted you and your humanity when you compromised your faith by sinning at times, even when you knew you loved Jesus. Yes or no? How many of you got an email from God saying, that's enough? Anybody get a text or a call from God that said, listen, I saw that. That's not good. Anybody? No, you never got that stuff. Did God speak from heaven with a loud, audible voice that said, I saw that. Right? No, he doesn't do that. You know what you got? You got silence and you got grace. Because the promise of God for our salvation and redemption has nothing to do with your performance and everything to do with his character. Right? If we, listen, if we can't as God's people learn how to practice that within our own homes and within our own communities, how are we ever going to reach these people? We can be dismissive. Oh, we can be dismissive. Sure. Yeah, no problem. But I don't want to be the watchtower who doesn't warn people of impending doom and then have to be accountable for their salvation. I don't want that. I want us to do better at that. And here's the way I want to do it. We're preaching through the book of Genesis on the weekend. One of the things that stuck out to me as we're walking through this book is my goodness every week. And it'll be that way till the end of the book. Every week, we hear about two things. God's story, because he made that promise in Genesis to Satan in chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to take you down. This woman's going to have a son. That son is eventually going to take you down, right? And God has been working in every page since that promise to keep that promise. Yes or no? That's happening. That's God's upper level story, right? The lower level is a disaster. Have you noticed? Abraham... Need you to be the father of my people. Go ahead and sleep with your wife's servant. 
cause a mess that in 2023 people are watching take place on YouTube and Google because that's all that's taking place over there, right? Is descendants of Ishmael are acting like the descendants of Ishmael. So it's happening because of that man's choices. Lies about his wife twice, right? Nearly gets her stuck in a harem. Isaac, his son, he's a terrible daddy, plays favorites, picks Esau over over Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob, the son, steals the birthright, right? Mama protects him. It's a mess, right? And Jacob, good Lord, that boy's got no spine. You know, he falls in love with a woman before he knows he's got four women he's married to and having sex with and dropping babies everywhere. It's a mess, yes or no? Right? We got sisters being raped and daddy's mad because brother takes revenge. Right? We have got all kinds of mess in the humanity. And here's the thing. What kind of impact did the humanity have on the fight that happened up above? Everybody say none. 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 And here's the thing about you and me. Your mess and my mess has nothing to do with affecting how God keeps his promise. Because God's promises aren't based on you. They're based on who? Him. And here's the thing. He ain't ever going to lie. He can't. See what he says? He says, if you put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to make sure that you're forgiven forever. Anybody grateful for that? Yeah. Meanwhile... Yeah, this side of the room, pretty human, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the ranch, our humanity's everywhere, right? I mean, listen, (laughs) oh, I would love to come to church and for people to be honest. Stuff we do, stuff we say. How many times this week we got drunk and how many times this week we got angry and how many times this week we watched porn and how many times this week we had terrible thoughts and how many times this week we were, we were stupid about something else, right? How many times this week did we lie and how many times this week did we, you fill in the blank, right? And here's the thing. There's 3,500 to 4,000 people that call this church home, actively call this church home. Can you imagine how much humanity gets lived during the week that gets lied about on the weekend? And you know what God does? He keeps his promise. He keeps his promise. But somehow, when we're confronted with people's humanity, we freak out. We just freak out. Because somehow, what God does for us, we are not in the business of giving to other people. And if we're going to, listen, I'm just telling you, if we're going to reach that generation that's living in the world today, that's not our generation, my generation, we're going to have to learn how to do this better. We're just going to have to. Because those people watch parents go to church and fake it till they made it and then come home and be completely human. And you know what they said? We don't want that. We would like to be real Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thank you very much. We don't want to fake it on Sunday, then be real the rest of the week. They get tired of it. Right? So why don't we just figure it out? So let's do a couple things here. I'm just going to read some scriptures to show you some of these things. Some of this humanity. Right? Let's talk about Jacob's humanity. Daddy. Right, Father of the twelve, had the one daughter, Dinah, that was raped. Listen to Jacob's humanity. This was a guy, Jacob, right? Jacob who heard his favorite son tell him, right? Here's my dream, Dad. My dream is the the, the sun and the moon and all the stars bow down to me, right? 
Jacob asked him, does that mean your mom and me and your brothers are all going to bow down to you? He heard the dream. God had also directed Jacob multiple times. Go to Bethel. Go here. Go there. He's had a relationship with God. Now listen to him. Listen to his humanity in the story as they were emptying their sacks. So famine has come, right? Joseph's over Egypt. Famine's come. Now the famine's not just Egypt. It's over the whole world. Jacob's back at home, right? And he has sent his boys to Egypt to get food from their brother who they thought was dead. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. So they come home. They had taken money to buy food from Egypt. When they get back to dad, they're emptying their sacks and in each man's sacks a pouch of silver. Their silver that they gave to Joseph that he put back in their bags. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Father said to them, you've deprived me of my children, right? Joseph's no more. Simeon, because he kept Simeon, right? He kept Simeon back at the ranch with him, sent the brothers back home to get Benjamin. Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Every, listen to this, whiny human who has walked with God and experienced God. Everything is against me, he says, right? Reuben said to his dad, you could put both of my sons to death if you don't, if I don't bring him back to you. And trust him, Benjamin, to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, my son, Benjamin, will not go down there with you. His brother is dead. And listen to this guy who's got 12 kids and one daughter. And he says to a son, my, his brother's dead, and he is the what? Pretty human, isn't it? Sound like a mean thing to say to your son? Right? It's terrible. Right? Meanwhile, God's plans just pugging along. And guess who God's using? Whiny Jacob. Right? Using him. And Jacob, if harm comes to him on the journey you're taking, you're going to bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. Listen, Jacob's humanity's everywhere. And here's the thing. You clearly understand at this moment, Jacob does not believe Joseph's dream. Because if he would believe it, he'd know that Joseph is still what? He's still alive. But he's already got him dead and buried. And he's already got Benjamin in the ground. Right? This is a man who trusts God. Yes or no? Come on, say it. Yes. Is he human? Yes. Both are existing at the same time. And you know what God's not done? He's not gotten rid of him. He's still within the plan of God. Still within the purpose of God. Is that humanity ugly? Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Listen, I'm going to skip that one. Go to, the, go to Joseph's humanity. Listen to Joseph. Joseph's in Egypt. He's the guy that got tricked, right? He's the guy that got thrown into the pit. He's the guy that they pretended was dead to their daddy. And then they sold him to, to a bunch of gypsies. They sold him to Egypt. He goes to work in Egypt as a slave. He becomes Potiphar's right-hand man, basically runs the show. Potiphar's wife is attracted to power and she wants him for her own. She puts the moves on him constantly. He says, says no. She eventually tries to drag him into her bedroom. He pulls away. He leaves with his underwear on and she lies and said he tried to rape me. So I kept his stuff so I could prove it. And Joseph goes to prison. Right? He goes to prison and he spends a good seven years in prison. Then he gets a chance to interpret a dream and he tells the cupbearer, hey, when this comes out and you get to be back in your post, don't forget me. What's the cupbearer do? 
forgets him. He's in prison two more years before finally dreams of the Pharaoh get to him and he finally gets out of prison. 13 years this boy has been tortured by all of this nonsense. And look what happens when his brothers show up. Joseph was the governor of the land and the one who sold grain to all of its people, right? So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Leave that right there. Bring that up. Sound familiar? Remember what the dream was? You're going to what? Bow down to me, right? They come and they bow their faces to the ground. Next verse. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. It's been 13 years since he's seen these people. Think he's mad? Probably, probably. Do you think he's, do you think his dad has been brokenhearted all these years? For sure, right? Joseph trusts God. Is, is Joseph a believer? Yes or no? We know he is, right? But listen to his humanity. He meets his brothers, but he what? He pretended to be a stranger. So you know what he did? He deceived them. You know what we call deceivers? We call them liars. We call them liars. He got to stand there and watch the dream fulfilled right in front of him. And you know what he decided to do with that? He decided to be human. I'm going to lie. So I'm going to pretend. And then he said, and then he speaks to him harshly because now he's putting on a performance. Where do you come from? From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food, right? Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and he said to these people, you are spies. Here's the, here's the dream. Here's the plant, the playing around, right? The deception. You're spies. You've come to see where our land is unprotected. What do they say? No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food, right? Where we are all the sons of one man, your servants are honest men, not spies. Can you imagine what Joseph's going through as he's listening to this? No, he says to them, you've come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. Instead of just being honest and telling the truth. You know what he does? He says to them, it's just as I told you, you're spies. And this is how you're going to be tested, he says. I'm as surely as Pharaoh lives, you're not going to leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of yours to get your brother, the rest, you will be kept in prison. So that, so that your words may be tested to see if you're telling the truth. If not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you're spies. And you can read the rest of it. Listen, here's what I know. Joseph loves God, trusts God. You don't get from where he started to where he's at with having some faith in God. Yes or no? 100%. When he's confronted with the knowledge that his brothers are in front of him, instead of being truthful, he becomes a what? He becomes a liar. Human? Oh man, human. And you know what God's plan was doing? Never skip a beat. Never skip a beat. Right? Because Joseph's story just gets better. It just gets better because you know what? God's able to deal with our humanity. Somebody, for the love of God, say amen to that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am grateful that God loves me even in my humanity. Yes? I mean, it has been, listen, 30, 35 years of, of, of living as a Christian. Seven years of not even coming to church. Having a divorce, 
being fired, arrested. It's been a lot of humanity in my life. Right? And my guess is some of you have had just as much or more. And here's the thing about God. He is always faithful. His love, it never never ends. Amen. Because God is capable, yeah, of dealing with our humanity. Now I want you to listen to the humanity of Jesus. Let's listen to the humanity of Jesus. I want to, I want to read to you from John chapter 1. Right? John 1 says this about the humanity of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. So we're not talking about a visitor. We're not talking about an acquaintance or a distant relative. The Word, say it, was God. Right? It goes on to say, right, that that Word was with God in the beginning. Through that word, all things were made. Without that word, nothing was made that's been made. In him, in the word, was life. And that life was the light of all men. That light, right, from the word shines in the darkness. But the darkness doesn't understand it. And look what happened to the word. Everybody read this with me. Everybody online, everybody here. The word and made his among us. How many of you know what a mother-in-law suite is? Anybody in here online live in a mother-in-law suite? Okay. You live in one or you have one? You've lived in one, right? So basically a mother-in-law suite is this. You love your spouse enough to want to care for his annoying parents or her annoying parents, but you don't want him in your house. So you convert a garage into a quote, mother-in-law suite, right? All the while keeping your lawnmower and weed eater hanging on the wall, right? But you create a space for them to live in, right? And here's the thing about a mother-in-law suite, right? They don't have to be in your house, but if they dwell among you, you're going to know their stuff, yes or no? Of course you are. Talked to a couple this week or a gentleman this week who has a quote mother-in-law suite at his home because his wife's parents, her father had become ill with dementia and the mother couldn't take care of him. So they put her parents in a, in a, in a, in a mother-in-law suite on their property, but not in their house. And here's the thing. Even though they didn't live in their house, they dwelt among them. And guess what? They knew everything about what was going on in their life. Here's what the Bible says that Jesus did. Jesus, who was God and was the creator of all things, became what? He became you and me. And guess what he did? He decided to live among us. Right? He dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Because listen, you can't live around humans and not come first with grace before truth. The problem with the church is we always want to come with truth first because for some reason we're scared to death that truth isn't going to win. Listen, you don't need to defend truth. You need to stand on it. Stand on it. Don't use it as a weapon. The weapon... The weapon that changes lives is the grace of God. Because it's the grace of God that appeared to bring salvation to all men. Somebody say amen. Listen, Jesus couldn't dwell among us and not come with grace and truth. It's just not possible. I raise kids. I raise kids. 
And I can tell you, if I came with truth before grace, I'd have killed all of them. Yes? And I can tell you, if my parents didn't come with grace and truth, I'd have been dead before I was 10. You know that. Anytime you're dealing with humans, if you come with truth before grace, you've alienated the conversation. It's not possible. Jesus, how many of you have watched the show The Chosen? So I've got to go to Orlando tonight. I told myself I was going to preach when the alarm went off. I was going to leave so I could go to Orlando one time. But you know what? I'm enjoying this so much. We may be here a while. Okay. What was I asking? Oh, chosen. How many of you seen the chosen? Right? Chosen. Listen, there's a lot of non-biblical stuff in it. There's a lot of made up stuff in it. Right? But there's a lot of good stuff in it. Right? There's a lot of good stuff in that, in that process. Yeah. There's some really interesting things that happen in the chosen. Here's the thing I love most about the chosen is that I love the humanity that's evident in the story because we can read it, but we can't picture it. I mean, the greatest thing about the passion of Christ movie was seeing the humanity of the crucifixion, right? But here's the thing I'm reminded of when I'm watching the chosen. Do you know how long Jesus kept his mouth shut about what his purpose was? He walked on this earth. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word what? So God, God, you know, we're talking about, right? God, the creator of heaven and earth that has all power, right? The, the, the thing that no man can see and live, right? This spirit, God, who is all powerful, all knowing, you know, the God I'm talking about. Yes. He became a human being and he came down to earth and he kept his mouth shut about it for, I don't know how long. Do you have any idea how hard that's to do? It's crazy. And he did it. Why? Because it came full of what? Grace and truth. Listen to Philippians 2 about the humanity of Jesus. It says this, your attitude, your attitude, my attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. Leave that right there, right? God, Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus, right, recognized that his status and his position as God wasn't worth hanging on to if it meant losing you. You get that? He didn't have to come because he's what? He's God. He didn't have to come because he's God. He's good. But he went, you know what? My place isn't worth holding on to if I can't come and get you. So the Bible says, in the nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. Instead, what's he do? He made himself what? Come on, say it. Nothing. We have a hard time letting an argument go because we're afraid somebody will take advantage of us. Jesus became what? Nothing. And he is who? He's not you. He's not me. Right? <clears throat> My four-year education in a secondary school. He's God. And he went, I'm going to be nothing. I'm going to be nothing. I'm going to be nothing. We don't even want to be on the losing end of a fight. Because we're afraid that it will look bad. We're constantly wanting to defend ourselves. Jesus became nothing. Took the nature of a What? Not a human, a servant. He didn't just become nothing. He acted that way. And being made in the human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to even death on the cross. 
Listen, the humanity of Jesus is beyond comprehension. Because he's God. You ever watch an adult dummy himself down to talk to a two-year-old? I have a son who has a, who has a, who has a daughter who's approaching two. He talks to her like she's 47. I love it. We're on FaceTime and he talks to her with fully developed words. Meanwhile, I'm on the FaceTime going, right? Talking like a moron to this two-year-old, right? But when you're with children, you get down on their level, yes or no, right? And you do it without shame. You do it with joy, right? That's exactly what Jesus did. He took his position, his high and lofty position, which wasn't the executive pastor at Tomoka Christian Church. It wasn't your job or mine. You know what he was? He was God. And he went, nope. Most important thing in the entire stinking world, I'm not going to hang on to it because if I do, I'm going to lose them. And so I'm going to become nothing. I'm not going to become less than me. I'm going to become nothing. I'm going to become nothing in my humanity. I'm going to do it in human nature. Because I can't understand them till I dwell among them. But I can't help them until I become nothing for them. It's crazy, right? It's absolutely insane when you think about the humanity of Jesus and what he did. And listen to this. John chapter, skip John 4. I don't need those. Jesus was hungry and tired. We all know that, right? Go to, go to Hebrews 2.17. Hebrews 2.17, right? Listen to Jesus, who's under humanity we now get a better glimpse of, and listen to how it affects our humanity. Because we can all agree online in here, right? Type yes in there if you're watching online, everybody here. How many of you agree that Jesus is aware of our humanity? Okay, not all of you. We're working on that, right? Listen to this. He says, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way. In order that he might become a what? Everybody say merciful. He might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God. That he might make atonement for the sins of who? Uh, just put your name in there. So he could, he could atone for the sins of, say your name. Right? So you could, he could atone for the sins of cord, right? He goes on to say this. Because Jesus himself suffered when he was what? Come on, say it. Tempted. He is able to help those who are being what? Tempted. You see, here's the thing about Jesus' humanity. He didn't just take it on in your form and empty himself. He understands it now. He understands it. So he's going to understand that right there. We're moving on, right? He understands it. Right? He understands your humanity. Because here's the thing. Some of you sitting in here right now and some of you watching online, you're being tempted. In your humanity, you're living in temptation. And here's the problem. You can't be real and human with people. Because you might be married to them. You might be working with them. You might be sitting next to them. And you can't be honest about it. But guess where you can be honest? You can be honest with your merciful and faithful high priest. Because he dwelt among you. And he understands you. 
You see, the reality is, when uh, 35 years of ministry, I can tell you this one thing. People who fall into sin and temptation leave the church until they get it worked out. You want to know why? Because we teach people you can't bring that stuff in here. You know where you should go when you're dealing with sin and temptation? You should go straight to your merciful and faithful high priest. But what do we tend to do when it happens? We cut him off just like that. Until we figure it out. Well, where'd Billy go? Billy was really on fire for the Lord. I can tell you where Billy's at. Billy's mired in temptation and struggle and doesn't know how to get out of it because he can't be human in a church and he doesn't know how to be human to a God. That's why Jesus is there. Because in his humanity, he understands. Right? Bring that verse back up. Bring up Hebrews 2, 18. Right? He's able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know if you... Some of you may have not been tempted in a while, so you forget, you've forgotten the struggle. But some of you know exactly the, the, the weight that comes when you're being tempted. You know it. And you know the isolation that comes from it, depending on how wrong the sin is that you're being tempted to do. And so you live in that. You live in that. And guess what? You have to live alone. You have to live in that, in that struggle. And we're convinced that because we can't be honest with somebody, we can't be honest with him. So we don't. Right? But he's able to help those who are being what? Not faithful. Being what? Being tempted. Hebrews two, Hebrews 4 says it this way. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, right? Let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest, somebody interceding. You realize that Jesus is in heaven interceding for you right now. The Bible says he lives to intercede for us. Somebody say amen, right? Aren't you impressed that God knows your name, right? That's because Jesus up there going, no, 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 no. Cord's okay. Cord's okay. Cord's okay. Satan's up there going, no, he's a liar. He's a cheat. He's this. He's that. And my Savior's up there as a high priest going, he's okay. He's faithful. He's covered, right? We have a faithful high priest who's an, who's, we don't have one who's unable to what? Sympathize with our weakness. So not as Jesus up there. He's not up there defending me, shaking his head the whole time. Going, oh, I hate this guy. Right? No, 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 no. That's people I know down here. They're shaking their head. Meanwhile, Jesus is interceding for me up there. And he sympathizes with me. He gets it. So he's not there with a judgmental attitude. Because I'm a merciful and faithful high priest. And so do you. Right? You may have a judgmental spouse. You may have a judgmental friend. You may have a judgmental church member. But your Savior is merciful and faithful. And he knows how to sympathize with you. Right? Because he understands your humanity. Right? The Bible says we've got one who's been tempted in every way. Just as we are. He simply did it without sin. He simply did it without sin. Then let us approach. Listen to this. So because of that, what should we do? Approach the throne of grace with confidence, right? So that you can receive mercy. You know when you need mercy? You need mercy when you're standing before the who? The judge. Because you've probably done something what? You've probably done something wrong. You know where we tend to go when we've done something wrong? Not to God. Not until we're finally broken, miserable, our marriage has fallen apart, we've gotten fired, our bank account's empty, our children don't want to speak with us, they've repossessed our car, and now we don't know what to do. And then we say, hi, Shelby. Right? Thank you. Right? 
Then we wait till we're flat on our face and completely broken. Then we come to God. He says, bring the verse, the verse before that back up. He says, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy when and find grace to help us in our time of what? When do you need him? When you're struggling with temptation, not when you've lost everything. And too many people are forced to wait till they lose everything before they come to God with need. You don't have, listen, you don't have to. You don't have to wait to be run over by the bulldozer spiritually to finally get to God. You can come to him with confidence when you're being tempted. And guess what you'll find? No judgment because he's merciful. And you'll find grace. Not only will you get not judged, you'll get a gift that you don't deserve. Why don't we teach people how to come to God? And we, t- listen, this drives me crazy. We raise teenagers and let's be honest, if you know teenagers that love Jesus, they're a stinking mess. My daughter sent me a TikTok the other day and I know my daughter loves Jesus. I baptized her. I took her to Haiti. I know my daughter's heart. She loves Jesus, but she's also a human. And sometimes her humanity is pretty stupid. Okay. She sent me a TikTok the other day. She said, TikToks are so dumb. I don't know how they make them, right? But the TikTok was basically a dad on a phone and the heading read, dad telling his daughter she has 15 minutes to be home for curfew. Then the next screen is is a picture of a girl and some other people dancing in a cornfield. And it says, you're 16 year old, right? In another state in a cornfield drunk saying, yeah, she'll come home then. She sent that to me and she said, I thought you would enjoy that. And I said, oh, the joys of being a parent. And she said, and I said, and all of my kids did that stuff to me. And she goes, yeah, she goes, I just got away with it more. And then she said, I guess I thought I was a lot more tricky about it than I was, but I think you knew all the time. She's a mess. Now, here's the thing. I've got a choice. I've got a choice. I can treat my daughter the same way God treats me. Or I could treat her differently. And you can justify it. You can say, well, I'm a parent. It's my job. Your job is to get her to faith in Jesus Christ. Because she ain't going to live in your house forever. Because it might feel that way. But she ain't. <laughs> She's going to go somewhere for eternity. And if your job isn't to get her to that right choice, you're not helping. And you know how Jesus did it? He came with grace and truth. He was merciful first before he was faithful. Is it challenging for me to keep my mouth shut at times and give her grace and not judgment? Yep. Yep. But you know what God does to me? Keeps his mouth shut and gives me grace. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here. I'd have already been struck dead by lightning years ago. I I want us to get better at this. I want you to get better at it. I want to get better at it. Because there are people that are dying out in the world right now in their humanity And they're convinced there's no place in church for that. Yes, there is. There's a place for their humanity. Absolutely has to be a place for the humanity. And stop acting like just because we accept people's humanity, we're compromising sin. We're not. Just tell them what sin is. When they ask. It's not complicated. Hey, what's God think about this? He thinks it's a sin. That's really hard. Right? It's just not that complicated. Right? I want to read this to you in 2 Corinthians 5 and then I'm done, right? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us. 
If you've been reconciled to God through Jesus online in here, say amen. Amen. Right? He says, here's what's happened. He's given you the service ministry, diakonos, to serve the service of reconciliation. That's your job. Your job is to work toward helping people be reconciled to him. The God was reconciling the world, the world to himself in Jesus. And here's how he does it. He doesn't count our sins against us. Really? Do you know why people can't be reconciled to God? Because those of us who know God keep holding their sins against them. God can't reconcile us if he counts our sins. How do we expect people to get to God if we're counting their sins against them? I know it's hard. Listen, I know it's hard. But Lord have mercy. Eternity's at stake here. And Jesus, who was God, became nothing to win this fight. Surely we can give some ground without losing the war. He goes on to say this. The next verse he says... And he has committed to us, not just the service of reconciliation, but the, the message. You can serve toward getting people to Jesus, but if your words betray you, because that word message, right, is the word for angel, messenger. Your job and my job is to say the things on his behalf. You don't get to write your own speeches. You give his That's what the word means, right? You're there to communicate him. And what is his communication? Reconciliation. And what is it? Jesus died for you. He was buried, rose again. And now he makes those who trust in him perfect forever. Because he is the captain of our salvation. Amen? Right? He says this in verse 20. We are there for Christ's ambassadors. You represent a king. You're on a foreign soil representing your king. Your act as an emissary for him. Too many Christians have their own agendas. Nobody cares about your agenda, Cord. It's God's agenda that matters, right? We are Christ's ambassadors as though God makes his, as though God makes his appeal through who? Us. What do, what do you think people are hearing when we make our appeal? If we come with judgment, if we come with truth before grace, what do you think they're hearing? They're not hearing his appeal. They're hearing our appeal. There's a whole section over there where nobody's even sitting. We could put everybody in this room in one section. Why aren't there more people here? Why? Because at times we're not appealing to them on his behalf, but on our behalf. And our message is so much different. But here's what he says. He says, we implore you. That word means to beg, right? We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And listen to this. This is how God did it. Everybody here, everybody online, read this with me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become. It's going to require a sacrifice to save people. Somebody's got to be willing to sacrifice so that they can be saved. Jesus sacrificed for us. Amen question is, will we become people that sacrifice for others so that they can be saved? Because I am convinced that if God is capable of dealing with our humanity, we should be capable of dealing with others as well. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful that you're a God of compassion. 
long-suffering, and understanding. I have no idea why. I don't. I know the resume that I have produced as I have worked for you. And it is not a resume that should allow me to be in your employ anywhere. And yet somehow, God, your promises to me, your faithfulness to me have never been predicated upon me. Lord, I want our community, I want our schools, I want our families, I want our state of Florida to know. I want them to know that message. And I want us to become a church that's full of that message. It's going to take courage and strength. It's going to take people that grow in their faith. It's going to take people who learn how to hold firmly to their faith and who use the truth as a platform, not as a punishment. So, Father, would you grow us into that so that we can plant water in a way that will see this generation come to faith in Christ. I pray in his name. Amen. God bless you, church.